Iowa everywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jordan Bohannon. Jared Stansberry. It's Jared and J-Bo on Iowa Everywhere. This is Iowa Everywhere. Yo, welcome into the podcast. It's on Iowa Everywhere. What's up, J-Bo? What's going on, man? Well, it's good, brother. How you doing? I'm doing well, dude. The sun is shining. It's a beautiful day in central Iowa. There's nothing like what could possibly have gone wrong in my life really in the last, you know, seven days. Like nothing has been, everything's been good. I'm waking up, I'm breathing. My family loves me. My dog loves me. I got no complaints, you know? I knew this was going to be how it was going to happen this week after after the game. How it was going to go down. I knew you're going to pull this whole positivity card. I'm down to play a positivity card, but let's let's play the positive positivity card your whole life, you know, not just one week. Not just this one week. Uh, after Iowa State gets their asses kicked by Iowa in the in the Cyhawk basketball game, yeah, I I try and keep that mindset, but uh, especially keep it in these situations. Man, that was just a disaster of a game for for Iowa State. I think. Uh, like, I don't even know how much analysis I have. I didn't even do a podcast after the game on Cyclone Fanatic because I was like, man, they played so bad that I don't know that feels like a, if they can't, if they can play worse than that, then it's going to be a long year, you know, that type of situation. Yeah. I don't think there's anything to really describe, like to summarize the game. I think Iowa just played really great basketball and Iowa State yeah. played really bad basketball. Yeah. Their offense, I think, but we talked about that with Iowa State that their offense was going to be a key component if they're able to get that moving. That they're going to be a late team, and if they don't, they're going to struggle. So, and against a team like Iowa, you're going to have to have score points. Mm-hmm. You're, you can hold them. You can hold them to low point games, but those low point games are going to be high points for those those teams that are playing great defense. So you're going to have to score against Iowa to win. Right. And that's where, I mean, you get down 15 to nothing to start the game and, and Iowa state was getting fine looks, you know, they just couldn't make a shot. And it's like, mm-hmm. you got, you get some of those looks around the rim and, and trying to get some of those bunnies. Like you just got to put one in, man. There comes a point where it's like, someone just has to make something, you know, you can't turn the ball over. You can't get called for a foul. Like just make a, just make a basket. Cause this thing's going to get out of control really fast. And then all of a sudden it's whatever, 22 to two. And you're just, I mean, the game is basically over at that point, you know? 
and you have some guys on your team on Iowa State making a three and then saying he just needs one to go in and then the next trip down. I've seen a lot of crazy shit in basketball, but that was that's up there for crazy shit I've seen. I wish him the best too. I know he's a great shooter. Yeah. I hope he figures it he figures it out. But man, that's I mean, just it, not a good look when you're losing by twenty and that, that happens. I, it's like I, I think I texted you this during the game too. Like I've never seen someone who their shot can look so pure one second and then they'll come back the next second and it's like you're putting it off the side of the hoop or something, you know, I've yeah. like, I don't, I've literally never seen anything like it. And it's been for two years. And it's, if you, and that's why I keep saying, if you can figure out a way to find some level of consistency from him, like this team can be a lot better, but it's just like, man, the, the highs are pretty good, but the lows are really low. And it just, it's how do you find that middle ground? You know? And we touched on that too, last week before the game, we were talking about Gabe Kelcher and how he needed to be consistent. And he, he needs to shoot the ball well in order to beat these big-time teams. And right. when Grill's not going, Gabe isn't scoring, who else are they going to look to to get a bucket? You know, it's hard to – it's hard when you have two guys that are sandstone as scorers. Obviously, they're great defenders too, but they need to score the ball for them to be able to compete and make deep runs in March. Right. You just need one of those two – like every night you need one of those two guys to be good for you. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you don't need them both to be great every night, but it's like if you can get one of those guys to be good and then Jaron Holmes has, has, I think, shown that he's going to be pretty good most nights. And then, I mean, I think we're going to continue to see more from Tame and Lipsy. It seems like every game that they play, he becomes more aggressive in trying to to get to the rim and, and finish around the rim. And he finishes really well around the rim for being a freshman point guard. But, uh, I mean – in that Iowa game, the thing that I was so shook by was, I mean, Philip Bracha played, had to play like the game of his life, you know? Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was just a incredible performance from him. And yeah, uh, Iowa state, I, you go into that game. Like I feel good about Iowa state's front court and, and he overwhelmed both of those guys uh, for the entire game. You know, like you, you just got to tip your cap to somebody. Sometimes it's like, man, you played well, you know, you came out and did the thing. Yeah, I have two things, too, to pick about the game. I think the first one, it almost felt like Iowa State was really hesitant, and I don't know how to explain it. They were very, very lackadaisical. Like, it was one of those – it felt like a game. Like, I was when I was watching it, it felt like a, a mid, like, February, late February-type conference mm-hmm. game from how Iowa State was playing. I, Iowa played well without Chris – but how I was watching is like, this is like a grinded out. Like it feels like a lot of guys are banged up. They don't really want to play that night. Like it felt like that kind of feel to the game. I don't know why, but I mean, my experience is playing in college basketball there. I mean, you have those games every now and then, but man, for that to be a rivalry game, that's kind of my other yeah. point. Like, like it, it's almost like this rivalry has been so lopsided these last four to five years now. Like it's kind of crazy to think about. There's not really been a close game that I've been in those last six years. And both ways. Yeah. Both ways. Even when yeah, I was, it, it hasn't been close. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's bizarre. Like you looking back on the last six to seven years now, there hasn't been, yeah, there hasn't been a close game that's come down to a couple of possessions. Well, the last one would have had to have been 2016. Then the game when 2016, when, yeah. when Utah had 30 in the first half. Yeah. And then when we came back 2017, we beat 
beat them by like yeah. I think 13, 14, 2018 when I went to their place. That was a closer game. I do remember. I remember they pulled away. In the the final, I would say the final margin might not have been very close, but it was a close game most of the, the night. Yeah. I remember. Cause that yeah. Iowa state team wasn't very good either. Yeah. But that was like, that was like the last close, the close game in a Seahawk rivalry, which is insane to think about because it should be a competitive game. You would think there'd be a lot more closer matches than what was. What, how close was it? That 2018 game? That was like a fairly close game, but I think you guys won by double digits in the end, didn't you? Uh, the twenty eighteen or seventeen game, the eighteen game with uh, when Iowa State had Mariel Shayok and the game when when you say Steve Prom assaulted you. Oh, that was, that was twenty seventeen at home. No, it was twenty eighteen. No, no, oh. that was with Mariel Shayok and Michael Jacobson and those guys when when there was the scuffle at the end of the I game. I think you're getting I think you're getting it mixed up. No, I'm. Oh no, 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 no! Yeah. 2016, 2016 was my first. Yeah, it was your first so, one with, with yeah, Monte yeah, yeah, okay. and all those yep. guys. And then 2017 yeah, right. was in Ames, and 2018 was when yep. I obviously had Shayok, Wyler Babb, yeah. all those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I get. Yeah, I. I mean, no one still talks about that. When Steve Prohm was playing Peacemaker, and everybody made it out that that he did the uh, he'd been the problem. I mean, I one of the best had, guys in the game. One of the best guys I in the game. He's the hand. problem. I had two hands by a college coach on my body, opposing head coach. I feel like it was hardly talked about. You should have just... came out in the media after. I was afraid for my life, bro. I was afraid for my <laughs> life from Steve Bro. My arms, like I didn't know what to do. I, 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 I panicked. I peed my pants. Now I'm salute like, to you for life. not for not swinging. You know, in, in instantly. Salute to you. What we're getting down to is prom has haunted my life for the rest of eternity. <laughs> I'm scared. Oh man, shout out to Steve Prom. This team's been playing pretty well here these last couple of weeks down at Murray. It'll be uh, interesting when they come up here and play Drake in a couple of weeks. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I like how sustainable do you think that this game that that performance was for Iowa? How much of that carried over you felt like into Sunday against Wisconsin? Zero. <laughs> I didn't see any carryover, to be honest. To be uh, the, to not lie though, they oh play, they're playing. Sensey thing. This is not me smoking. This are you my sensey, a vape my sensey thing. It was my sensey Oh no, vape. we got a little vape puffing over there. Yeah, right. In the, uh, just right here, over here on the side. <laughs> um, no, I. Uh, they played really well without, without Chris Murray. I think the ball movement has been really, really great with this stretch with with Chris sitting out. I think that says a lot about the guys that are coming in, stepping up, that they're not trying to force the issue. They're trying to play as a team and pull off important victories as a team, instead of being selfish and trying Mm -hmm. to do it your way, which I think it's important down the road when there's going to be injuries, there's going to be guys that have off nights that guys are going to have to come in off the bench and step up and play really well. So from that aspect, it was really good, but I don't know. I guess it was Wisconsin. They just played exactly into how they wanted to. They didn't, I, don't, I feel like they, there's little little carryover from Iowa State. Obviously, Wisconsin and Iowa State are two great defensive teams. They play differently, but yeah, it's. I, I think they're gonna have to find a way to be locked down on their scouting report one and two. They're gonna have to continue to shoot the ball well from three to be able to compete against high level teams like they did against Iowa State. They shot the ball well from three. Connor stepped up and hit a, hit a few and. Yeah, that was the one I didn't know. I mean, they shot like sixty percent from three. Yeah, you know? it's like how how sustainable is is that specifically? But then, I mean, it, 
the thing I was sitting there watching the game, I'm like, they're doing everything that you and I talked about last night as far or that, you know, on Wednesday night about what they needed to do in the game. You know, as far as making that skip pass to the corner, they were getting that mm-hmm. through and doing a great job of not turning the ball over. And they were just doing a good job of finding the right shot, not the easiest ones, you know, and they just kept working the ball. And it's like, like, that's why I say you got to give them credit. They came out and executed, you know, and that just is, that was encouraging to me. It's like, you know, that they can do it. Yeah. It's just like, how much can you, you know, can you stack games like that? And at least now I think, I don't think they really play anybody very good these, this next week, but you, you know, you hope to get Chris back. I saw to this morning in a couple of weeks, you know, hopefully back by, I think Indiana comes to Iowa city on like January 5th or something like that. If you can get him back by then, then I feel like you got to feel pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're going to have to start. They're already old one in, in conference and that, and that's, that's killer. Yeah. Are they old? Yeah. They old, yeah. Are they yeah. one or one? Oh, one. they're all, yeah, they're old one. They've only played one big 10 game. So that's like, that's tough. You're starting out already down a game and I would, I would be willing to guess that the team is going to, that wins the big 10 is going to be around six to seven losses in the big 10, which is not out of the ordinary, but you're going to have to string a couple games together to be in contention right from the start. You can't start 0 and 3, 0 and 4, or you're, you're going to be struggling. Well, I was just going to say, now that I'm looking at this, this schedule, this is a little bit more interesting than what I, I had expected. Uh, Southeast Missouri State on Saturday, that's uh, that's an easy win. Eastern Illinois next Wednesday, that's an easy win. But then the following Thursday, they got to go on the road to Nebraska uh, mm-hmm. and then go on the road to Penn State, and then you have Indiana coming home uh, mm-hmm. on January 5th. So it's – I mean, that Nebraska game looks a hell of a lot more difficult right now than what it did two weeks ago, you know. And then even – I think Penn State's been playing pretty good ball too. I mean, they're all the way up to – number 33 on Ken Palm just got a win over Illinois, kicked the, kicked the shit out of Illinois on Saturday. Uh, yeah. I mean, that definitely, if you can it's have him back to the Nebraska game, you would yeah. prefer to have that, you know? But I mean, you're looking at that schedule. It's, it's hard to win, let, let alone two games in a row in the big 10 conference, but three to do that consistently three nights in a row mm-hmm. and on top of traveling away game, away game back home to one of the top teams in the big 10 that takes so much energy. That takes so much grit to, you know, come off a loss. Let's say they lose to like a Nebraska, they drop one to Penn state. Now you're Owen three in the conference. You're struggling for your identity. You're fighting for your life for postseason right. play at that point. So they're going to have to, it's just like this stretch. If they, if they were, if they were to lose, if they lost all three games to Wisconsin, Iowa state and Duke, it, they would have been a very, it would have been an uphill battle for yeah, you. A it would been bit. A, yeah, I was trying to find the right words. It wouldn't be. I feel like they've gathered their identity. They they yeah. they're in this. They're not searching for their identity. Anymore. They're realizing who they are as a team. Right now, they don't know exactly what that is yet. But for them to beat Iowa State and then come around and go in overtime, Wisconsin, I think that shows a lot about what they can do. Duke game was a was a disaster, but they can they can compete at that level. All our conversation about Iowa State and Iowa men's basketball are brought to you by our friends at Sweet Caroline's Kitchen and Cocktails up in Ames. Uh, Sweet Caroline's Kitchen and Cocktails is the place to go before and after Iowa State home games or for game watches during Iowa State road games. Uh, Sunday night, the Cyclones playing back at home uh, against, man, who are they playing? Western Michigan. Uh, Stop on out there at Sweet Caroline's Kitchen and Cocktails at 316 Main Street in Ames. 
uh, with an awesome Southern and Southern inspired menu with a great collection of burgers, sandwiches, wings, and Caroline's famous fried chicken. That's at Sweet Caroline's Kitchen and Cocktails, 316 Main Street in Ames, uh, the sponsor of all of our Iowa State men's basketball, Iowa men's basketball conversation here on the podcast. Uh, Iowa State's in a similar boat, though, when you look at their schedule to start Big 12 play. This is our first two weeks of Big 12 play. Home against Baylor on New Year's Eve, at Oklahoma, at TCU, and then home against Texas Tech. And then you go to nice. Kansas, host Texas, uh, to Oklahoma State, and then back home against Kansas State. There's not a single bad team in that in that stretch. Not one. No. no. That That is – I did not know that was their schedule coming up for Big 12 play. But have they played a Big 12 game yet? No, not yet. They start – they don't start Big 12 play till the 31st. Everybody plays. Are, are you guys still in 18? How many game, oh, conference games? Yeah, it's double round robin. Yeah, the 18 games. That's one of the things that's going to suck when they go to to 14 teams next year is that the double round robin goes away, and that's so much fun. Like, it's just so yeah. fun knowing you're going to get the return trip with, with everybody you play. Well, you know? I would imagine they, they might go to 20 games like the Big 10. If they yeah, I think, I think that's the plan. And there's going to be a protected rival or something you know you're going to yeah. play everywhere. I think I'd, I'd heard Iowa State's will be BYU. So every year you'll play a home-and-home home with, with BYU. And then, uh, I mean, I'm sure they'll play home-and-home home with like Kansas and Kansas State, those teams that they've been playing forever too. That's a tough stretch though. But the same thing that we're talking about with Iowa, they start – if they start towing the line of 0-2 – Oh, and three, like that is damaging to your team to start off that slow. And it is incredibly hard to get yourself off of that hill and find the top. It is incredibly hard and incredibly difficult. Yeah. I mean, after the first three weeks of January last year, Iowa State was two and five in Big 12 play with a four point win over Texas Tech, a Texas Tech team that had been depleted by COVID completely. And then they beat Texas at home. And it was like, you're sitting there and you're like, holy cow, man. This month of February is going to be even worse because then you they lost four more in a row against Kansas, Texas, West Virginia, and Kansas State. And it was like, it, there's just no relief, you know. It's every single night. If you're not bringing it, you're going to be down bad, you know. Yeah. you got to be able to get at it from the jump. And, I mean, of those first six or first however many games that I read for Iowa State, it's like, I mean, I maybe would lean Iowa State on two of them, you know. I mean – yeah, I don't know. I, I I'll look at Iowa's schedule. What it would be for them. Yeah, I mean, I'd I mean, lean Iowa, Iowa for Nebraska. I'd probably lean Iowa still, even at Penn State. I don't know what you think of that, but Penn Penn State. I tell you what, playing at Penn State, there's no one at those games. But for whatever reason, it is incredibly hard to win at Penn State. Penn State has always been known to play a, like a methodical type basketball game at their home games. Shrewsbury is a really great coach. I think he has Penn State heading in the right direction. But, man, for whatever reason, teams consistently struggle year in and year out at that place. It is impossible to win. Honestly, it is probably one of the toughest places to play in the country, let alone not having fans there. I don't know mm-hmm. if, that's a, if that's a factor in, in itself, but you just can't. You can't buy buckets there. You can't. They make everything at their home arena. It is just incredibly hard. Yeah. And I, so I don't know. That's maybe a toss up, but Indiana at home probably can win that. 
Rutgers on the road. That's tough. But then there's three game stretch of Michigan, Maryland, and Northwestern. If you can come out of that three and zero, I mean, you're sitting damn good spot right there. I mean, you're talking Michigan team. They're very solid. Maryland's one of the best teams in the conference. Like, yeah. there's just no, there's no leeway in either of the Big Ten and Big Twelve on any night. There's no leeway, man. It's just, uh, it is relentless. Uh, all right, let's talk about this Chris Beard story. Uh, I, I imagine most people listening by now know the the basics of the story. Chris Beard arrested on third degree felony, uh, just domestic assaults of a family or house member, household member. I think is the actual correct. Uh, charge but uh regardless was arrested monday morning he's out he's been suspended by texas indefinitely didn't coach in their game the other day but we don't have much more details other than that uh anybody who's read the arrest affidavit that was released uh monday afternoon knows that this is a a very difficult story and is going to be one that uh will probably i mean i i don't know how chris beard can ever coach another game in texas that's where i'm at right now from an absolute baseline you know i just i don't know how they could ever conceivably put him back out there as their head coach and trust him to lead young men after this oh it's incredibly damaging to not only the team but the program that you're hiring this is why i have Still, I still have much as I talk shit with NCA and universities and how they handle college athletes for the years. I do have a lot of respect because I think there is a good amount of coaches out there that are very respected in their profession. Obviously, there's a lot of shady guys, but it's incredibly hard for these administrations to find a coach that they want to lead these 18 to 22 year olds into not only winning basketball games, but be great young men and women for those universities, respectfully. So, it's incredibly hard and this is damaging to Texas. I would imagine their season is going to take quite a turn with all the distractions around them, which is a shame because they have a really great basketball team this year. And I I don't know where they're going to go from here. They can't, they can't have them as a coach anymore. I would be downright shocked, but with as much money that's in athletics, I think they're going to do everything they can to try to make it work. I would imagine that which is crazy to think, but yeah, I wouldn't put it past. I wouldn't it's put horrible it past. because it's horrible because it's like, there's going to be people who defend it and say that whatever, he wasn't the aggressor or whatever. He said he had those audio tapes. He wouldn't show them to the police, you know, and he, but he said he had this, these audio tapes that prove that he was not the aggressor. It don't matter, man. It don't matter. You, can't hit you put your hand, you put your hands yeah. on a woman, dude. Like, and that, and that's what I didn't under, or what, when that arrest affidavit came out to me, if the police officers can go there and witness these injuries, it does not matter at that point. What it's like, if this, these things look fresh and this clearly just happened, what other, like what other reality, like, what other thing could have happened? Clearly it happened, you know? And that's what I, I, if anyone tries to defend that or defend anybody after that, then that means that they're, they are so misguided in where they're coming from. Cause it's not about basketball. It's not about money. It's not about winning basketball games. How many good basketball coaches are there on this planet? Thousands, you know, thousands. It's like you, okay. You found one who might not be the best person. Go and find a new one. You have all the money in the world to go find a new one, but you can't accept this and you can't let this be propped up by your program. But it's 
And it's made even worse by the fact they have a player who has been charged with basically the same thing, but a misdemeanor, misdemeanor version of it who has played in every game for them. Like that does not make any sense. That's so ass backwards in 2022. And I just, I think that we got to be better than this, man. Like this college basketball, people need to be better than this than to allow what is has clearly taken place. There's a already considerable amount of evidence saying that it's taken place and to put those people on the floor or put those people back uh, on the sidelines, I think would be incredibly an incredible mistake just for general humanity, I suppose. And I think this is where I kind of touch back on the shady parts of college sports. You know, obviously this, this stuff has happened. It continues to happen, but this goes along with the amount of money. Like if you look at just Chris Beard as an asset rather than a human being, which is what Texas is basically doing right now. Right. Mm -hmm. When you hire someone, you're looking at him as an asset for your program, for your university. And he is making a shit ton of money for Texas to coach them to a basketball game to win. And when you're paying a, a guy like that, that amount of money, you're going to do whatever you can, not only to try to keep them so you don't have to buy them out. And two, you're going to do everything you can. So he continues coaching, obviously. So I, this is goes along with what I was saying before. I think Texas is going to do everything possible not to fire him. Uh, and I would not be shocked at all if, you know, he might coach at the end of the year with this still going on with this allegations and it's not even allegations. Like he got arrested, like he was, mm -hmm. he was charged and, but I wouldn't be shocked if he coaches at Texas still. Man, that would just make me sick, dude. It would make me sick to my stomach. I think I just, man. And the crazy part is, I mean, I'm going to touch on the NCAA NCAA really doesn't do anything off this, right? Yeah, right. I mean, they're not going to handle this. They're going to give it all to the program, the University of Texas. Like, they're going to have. And them. the crazy thing is, they won't do anything about this. And they just put down Shokai's penalties for those two assistants from Arizona. Exactly. Book Richardson's yeah. never going to get another job. Like, yeah, that's exactly what I was getting at. They're, they're more worried about paying a college athlete rather than their sexual assault allegations going on with coaches countless everywhere. There's athletic departments that have been caught. Michigan State has been caught doing this kind of stuff, the trainers there. And NCA won't continue to handle that. They leave it all to the universities, and nothing ever happens with NCA. It's ridiculous. Well, in fairness, the NCAA did probably really kind of fuck up the whole Penn State deal. So I think they've probably taken some steps back on that. They're like, yeah, maybe yeah. we're not the ones to adjudicate these things. But it is like, that's what this this morning when that stuff came out about Arizona, that I just sit there and I'm like, I don't know if Sean Miller should have been in any trouble. It feels like he probably should have been, you know. But the fact that Richardson, who again will probably never coach again, Again, in college basketball, regardless of the fact that he's got a ten-year show Kai's penalty on his uh, on his record now, and then Mark Phelps, the former coach at, at Drake, that he gets a two-year show Kai's penalty. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like basically a slap on the wrist. It is what it is, but it just it's stupid, you know. Like, why even do a punishment? Why even do a punishment at that point if you're you're going to say that there's no control over the program or anything like this? Your assistants are out here doing that. Anybody who tells me that a head coach does not know that shit's going on is so fucking naive. It's not even funny. The head coaches know everything that's happening inside their program. Mm -hmm. Every single thing that's happening inside the program, the head coaches know. Yeah. And so no one can convince me that a guy like Sean Miller, who has proven to be a good basketball coach, 
did not know what was going on inside of his program. That's just and how you don't get in trouble. I don't know. It makes no sense. Uh, I, I still think that just lays the foundation of how poorly a job the NCAA has done for these schools, not only to enforce laws, to not laws, but enforce rules, but also laws too. That's been happening. You know, there's zero health and safety pro- protocols that are technically enforced by the NCAA, which is asinine. Like I don't even know how that's even legal. That should not be legal. And on top of that, obviously they run a monopoly so they can do what they want. But you know, just touch on like the Arizona situation. I mean, you look at Louisville, they they literally had NCAA lobbied for FBI to search into what was happening with college athletes being paid by the Louisville head coach. Uh, I think it was with Bowen, that situation. And guys did jail time for that. Like, they're more concerned about throwing coaches in jail. There are multiple with, people still in jail yes. because of that. Yeah. Talking about paying a college athlete rather than health and safety and sexual allegations and domestic violence. Like, how is that even? That's not even funny anymore. Like, we're getting to the point where this is ridiculous. On And this is why I, I continue to blame on NCAA because they have allowed – this pathway to happen by schools putting everything on under the rug. And then when things get worse, they have to bring it out in the public and it's, it's at a worst time possible. And the worst part is that you look at a guy like, like Bowen, like has been through hell and back even to get to where he's at right now as a professional basketball player, you know, cause he didn't even get an opportunity to play in college after that because of what happened with, with him in Louisville. Meanwhile, Rick Patino's back coaching at Iona and it's like nothing happened, you know, right. And, uh, I mean, meanwhile, Louisville is also like the worst program in college basketball right now and legitimately is going to lose every single game unless something incredibly drastic happens uh, that changes that. But it's like, do they really feel like they've been punished at the end of the day? You know, I don't know. Probably not. They had to take their banner down. Everybody remembers it happened. You know, it's like that doesn't matter at the end of the day. And yet some young people's lives were completely derailed because of it just makes no sense. Yeah. And I, I, again, so that's a great point too, talking about Louisville, because I think I, again, I'm putting all the blame on NCAA. I think NCAA, I I do think they, they drug that school down. They technically really nothing was done without obviously the banner going down, but what else happened? But they, I think they actually, they drug that school down and the kids in that program are ruined for the next few years because of what the NCAA did to them and how it was handled. And now you see a team that's not even competing there. I mean, they're the worst college basketball team in the entire country right now. Well, and, and really at the end of the day, how much of the stuff that goes on or went on that was, gets people in trouble or, or a lot of even the things that are still happening, how much of that do you feel is really about that? And not just about people with money who want to prove to it's about, I don't even know the right way to put it. Greed of right. of the adults in the room more yeah. than it is about actually helping kids. Does that make exactly. sense? Yeah, no, you're yeah. right. It's incredible. I mean, and, and I always say this, if play people, if adults want to pay players, let it happen. I mean, we see NIL happening. They're trying to find loopholes to still pay, pay players. Just pay the players. The more we can be transparent with everything, I think the better in college sports. And what right now, we're, everything's becoming out in the public now because it's going to have to with FBI investigations that's happened in the past. NIL is a thing now, and they're trying to find loopholes with college athlete comp- uh, compensation. But all the other crazy shit that's going on in college sports as well is bringing everything to the limelight right now. And I feel like it continues to make a worse case for them, say, for what they've been doing f- for 
punishing college kids and not helping them. And they're basically not doing anything about adults that are technically breaking the law, breaking the rules in the NCAA, but really should they, is that really a law that they should be in trouble for at the right. end of the day? I don't right. know. It's, and it's, again, I don't think it's about the kids. It's yeah. not about helping the kids, you know, the, to an extent. And I'm sure there are people out there who are, are doing it for the right reasons. But I'm thinking of like, when you see the thing about how a quarter, how quarterbacks in the sec are all worth however much money. And it's some astronomical amount of money, $250,000 or whatever, you know, to these collectives. And it's like a completely arbitrary number. That's just like pulled out of thin air that this is what these guys are worth. And it's like, okay, cool. But who is like, who are the people that are bidding on this? And are they bidding on it? Because it's like, yeah, we think this guy right here, we want to do the right thing for him and give him his 250,000. Or is it because Alabama just paid 150,000 for this kid over here? And you guys are like, yeah, well, we're going to fucking stick it to Alabama. We're going to give him double, you know? And it's like, that's what I, I I don't know how much of it's about the competitive of competitiveness of like, I want to one up other people. And that's why I'm going to do these things or how much of it's because like, Oh, I actually care about helping athletes and wanting to do the right thing for athletes. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, no, it does. And I think NIL collectives is something that I personally wasn't expecting even advocating for all the years that I did and get it passed. It kind of, it kind of shocked me to have all these things pop up. I think there's going to be regulations in the, in the future with everything. I hope there is. Because I don't, I don't necessarily like the schools being so tied to these college athletes still. I feel like, obviously, it's great because they're getting paid money. But at the end of the day, that value they're getting is no, nothing, nowhere near what they're worth still. It is not even close to what some of these people should be getting paid by athlete if there's revenue sharing occurring with TV media rights and you know revenue that occurs that they bring in from the schools as well so there is so much more stuff that needs to be done to protect these athletes yeah and i think it there'll be like a a way that the market just like eventually settles i think you know where it's like we have a good idea of okay this is what because i mean people have to make bad investments before you realize that they're bad investments you know Mm -hmm. like we don't know what someone is worth until all of a sudden you sit there and it's like okay well we probably fucked up that one you know and that just like that just takes time just as part of the the process but it's again my concern is to have that i think a lot of these people don't care about the kids i don't think they care about they care about what can i do right by whoever tennessee you know whoever it is that i'm trying to help that that institution which again is the ones that are that have been helped by everything for a very long time more than i'm trying to help do what's right for for student athletes yeah i think it's been like that for the since the start since the dawn of time since the dawn of time yeah it's never been about the kids it's been about how am i going to get the best players for my team yeah and it's just shifting it's just shifting from a scholarship standpoint and it's shifting to outside scholarship and and cash in a mcdonald's bag exactly yeah exactly gold transams right so i don't know it'll be interesting to see how it shakes up i think a few years it'll, it'll get settled and once athletic college once there's revenue sharing occurring in sports that'll be the which will be in a couple of years i would imagine but i think that'll drastically shift nil and what everyone is exactly worth will get what they deserve and i like how we got from uh chris beard to yeah that was crazy <laughs> this that was a weird transition 
man. That was like Texas a YouTube. Is, you just click on one YouTube video and then you go right. all the way down a loophole. Wikipedia rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Texas will be interesting to follow here. I'm going to look at their schedule over the next couple of weeks because I they've got Stanford on Sunday, Louisiana on Wednesday, Texas A&M Commerce on uh, in two two weeks. But it's a great point because you look at Man, their schedule is easy compared to Iowa State's to open Big 12 play, dude. Holy cow. Yeah. Man, at Oklahoma, home against Kansas State, at OSU, home against TCU and Texas Tech, at ISU, at West Virginia, home against Oklahoma State. I did think it was crazy to touch on Chris Beard again. I kind of forgot to say this at the start. It's crazy how they didn't suspend him until like an hour before the game. Yeah, what the, what the hell is that? Like, who – and I, but they're gather, gathering informa- information and evidence. Like he was arrested. Like he wasn't just a yeah, cop didn't show up to the house and there are no circumstances. They arrested the guy. There are no circumstances under which a basketball coach should post bail and then post the starting lineup in the same day. No chance. Zero percent chance. You know, it's like uh, wasn't there a guy. There was someone who played in the NBA who got arrested the day of a game and then played in the game that night. Oh, uh, it was like Vernon Maxwell or something like yeah, that. I, I want to say, yeah, it was yeah, something. Yeah. I think it was something like that. But uh, no, that was. I mean, I think there were reporters at the arena like two hours before the game, and they're like, "Who is the coach?" You know, and then all of a sudden, that guy, the uh, uh, ter- coach Terry, whatever his, I can't remember what his first name is, he came out and he's like, uh, "He's like, yeah, I'm the head coach tonight." And that's it. And they almost lost. And they did almost lose. Lost one in overtime. Uh, I don't think they're probably going to lose anytime soon here, though, coming up. Um, all right. RIP Mike Leach. That's been fun to to watch. I mean, it's not been fun to have to mourn his, uh, his passing, but seeing the people, the videos and everything that people have been posting here over the last several days, just a treasure, dude. Like a treasure in college athletics that, I feel like he would have been really fun to play for and be in his program and just to be around every day and learn from. He seemed just like a great guy all around, not only on the field, but off the field and everything. I feel like obviously whenever someone passed away, you can remember all the good times, but man, there's been so much like support around this man and everything that he's inspired, not only for the players lives, but I mean, you just go on Twitter and, and you, you see everything that people are tweeting about, like just little stories and, talking about their experiences with him. Like it's, that's incredible that that man had so much impact on so many people, not only just his athletes, but friends and family. And you just go down the line reporters that ever had interacted with him. It's, mm-hmm. it's insane. Yeah. No one seems to have had a negative interaction with him. It's like everything you hear is this guy was literally the coolest guy ever. <laughs> You and that know. was before he passed away too. Like people would say that, I mean, he was, he was literally a national treasure. You're right. Even before his, his death. Mm-hmm. And but man, that, that's, I had one of my friends uh, from Cedar Rapids area. He, he played football uh, for him and man, I, I just see the stuff he like retweets and t- talk about and what he was tweeting while he was at the, while he's playing under him. He, that, that just looked like a dream to play under a coach like that. Yeah. He, you can tell he cared about people and he just always yeah. had fun. That was what I liked about it. He just was like, he just loved life. It's like, and he was just always curious. So I can stay curious. If you can stay curious, you can, you can go a long way. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we're gonna talk about a couple other college basketball teams here. Creighton, uh, has lost five games in a row after starting out six and zero and starting the season ranked in the top 10. Uh, 
they don't have Ryan Kalkbrenner, or at least they haven't had Ryan Kalkbrenner the last couple of weeks, but this has been like the month from hell for, for Greg McDermott's team. Uh, lost to Arizona and Maui, lost to Texas on the road in Austin. Got beat by Nebraska uh, in Omaha for the first time since 2004. Uh, lost on a, on a neutral floor to BYU and to Arizona State. And they cannot shoot to save their fucking lives right now, man. I couldn't hit the broad side of a barn here over these last couple of weeks. Uh, as a team, they are shooting shooting 34% from three as a team. But, man, it has not been near that good over the last couple of weeks. Crazy. Oh, I guess they shot 40% happened? the other night. They shot I don't 40% know. the other night. I don't know, dude. I had them as being – I still think they're going to win the Big East, but you think man. they're going to beat? You think they're going to beat UConn? I think they're. I still think yes. I still think they're going to win the Big East regular season title. But I don't know about all know, that. It's man. a hot take. I know it's a hot take. I know it's a hot take. I still believe that. I think UConn's the best team in the country right now, in my opinion. I, yeah, I would. Mm. I still like Houston a lot. Arizona, Houston, Arizona, UConn are up there. Purdue. Alabama, Purdue. I mean, I think there's eight teams that should be considered as number ones. Mississippi State's really good. Man, that's a random one. Mississippi State being uh, yeah, being up there. The ben Howland, man. Yeah, I watched them against Minnesota. They they they're some dogs. They're gonna be they're gonna be a tough out in the NCAA tournament, but. That's, I, I think, played them in the in the Big 12 SEC Challenge a couple years ago, and I think there was a point where Iowa State was down like 45 points. They're good. They're yeah. really good. They got some athletes this year. But I think that's why basketball's so great this year too because there's not a – I feel like we've said that the last couple of years, but there's not a certain team that really sticks out. I thought it was going to be Houston, but Houston mm-hmm. got knocked off already. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I still think – But even these last couple of years, like – you think about it, it's like, man, I feel like at this time last year, Baylor was way better than everybody else. Right. Gonzaga was way up there. Like, they're way better than everybody else. Two years ago, it was the same thing. Gonzaga's, like, way better than everybody else, you know? It's all just a kind of a collision course for some of those teams, even though a couple of them tapered off there at the, later in the year. But, like, this year, I feel like there's a bunch of teams that could win the national championship. I don't know if there's mm-hmm. ever been more teams that I sat there and I'm like, yeah, I could see a path for them to win six in a row, you know? I could see a lot. Yeah, I could see a lot of ten to twelve seeds making deep runs in the NCAA tournament this year. I think it's one of those years where we'll see a lot of 30, fourteen over three upsets. There's just a lot of great. There's a lot of great mid majors this year. There's a lot of great high majors that haven't been necessarily elite, but they've always been pretty damn good. That can pull off a deep run this year too. But I, I, yeah, going back to Creighton, I think I think they still have a chance to make a deep run they have all the right pieces but they're just, they're all out of sorts i don't know they would have won that game at texas if they'd made like two more three-pointers right right and they've lost a good team like you can't you can't knock it out. obviously they need to win games to be great but they've lost a really great team so i'm not i'm worried about them making a deep run but i still think they can do it the great teams uh run does not stop because they start big east play on friday night against marquette uh they gotta play butler depaul Seton Hall, and then UConn, January seventh, out in. Uh, all those are winnable. U- UConn's going to be the. I see. I mean, they can knock off all those first four teams. Really. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think they can beat all four of those teams, and three of those games are at home too. Yeah. So yeah, they play on the road on Friday, and then don't go on the road again for two weeks. Um, 
Let's talk about Nebraska too, really quick. We just talked touched on Creighton, and I, I mentioned it before. Nebraska got a win over Creighton for the first time since 2004. They've lost two games in a row here uh, since then, but they didn't have Sam uh, Sam Griesel, who's their uh, I mean, one of their best players for the the loss to Indiana, and then uh, took Purdue to overtime on Saturday. Got to give Fred some credit, man. This is a much different kind of team than Fred's ever played with. Uh, at any time, I mean, even at Iowa State, and then definitely in his time at Nebraska, it seems like he's figured out that he could not play the way he wanted to before in the Big Ten and sustain success. Yeah, I mean, it's just a different feel to the game. You can't you can't take your Big Twelve schemes and your NBA schemes that he's been doing and apply them every night in and night out in the Big Ten. I think he's he's realized that the last towards the end of the year this last year and this year. But I'm happy for him, man. I've always, I'm one of his biggest fans, dude. I've always really respected that guy and appreciated what he's done for the game of basketball. I hope, I hope Nebraska does really well in the Big Ten this year because he deserves it and that program deserves it too. Ken Palm currently has them going, uh, what three and seventeen. <laughs> in the I big 10 but that. i don't believe that yeah i was say I, I don't think that that will be uh what happens i mean i i don't know if they're gonna be like a tournament team but they're gonna at least be competitive you know every night i would i would imagine as long as they can they can stay healthy he they just, have a team they have a really good team this year it just always felt like his teams these first couple teams that he's had were way too small to play yeah. in the big 10 you know it's like he tried even I mean, I even think that some of those past couple teams he's had would have been small to play in the Big 12 the way that the Big 12 is now. The Big 12 10 years ago was a little bit different. It was much more finesse and things like that. But it's like the Big 12 is more like the Big 10 and just being a meat grinder conference of, of defensive teams and things like that now than being we're going to spread the floor and create mismatches and give you ISO situations. It just doesn't happen much in, in either of those leagues. Yeah, part of me wishes Big 10 was more of a – offensive dominating conference you look there's always the top team top defensive teams are always out of the big 10 usually you know some of them are usually michigan state's obviously up there you know indiana's done really well but those blue blood schools in big 10 have always been elite defensive teams but you look at other conferences they have you know they're putting up 85 it's 85 90 every single game in the conference play i feel like in sec big 12 i feel like can get get like that too Big Ten's really the when you when you look at mid February. I mean, I see so there's so many games that are just like low sixties, mm-hmm. no one's scoring. It feels like everyone's hurt, like those type of matchups, which is hard to watch sometimes. Right? Yeah, I think they'll they'll probably be better suited to handle those things. But I just, they're not very deep. Would be the first uh, the the first concern. Uh, but still, to get that win over Creighton and Omaha, I mean, that's significant. That, at the very least, probably buys Fred another year in, oh, in yeah. Lincoln, which I think, you know, because that's market improvement, they've not been good. And it's like they needed to make a significant leap uh, going into this uh, into this year for him to, to get another one. Uh, the one good thing for him is now they have a new football coach. So nobody gives a shit about basketball in Lincoln right now. He, they could have probably sure. been as bad as, as anybody could ever care well, to see and, and still would have kept his job. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. They have no, the, no. And I know what you're going to say. Well, they always got fans out there and you're right. But that's like, that's like the 15,000 Nebraska basketball fans on the planet. Those are the, the biggest 15,000 Nebraska basketball fans on the, uh, 
fans on the planet. And then you know how many people are watching on TV? Not very many. I don't. I I'm a big fan of Nebraska. I I, I love the school. I'm, I clip that. I'm clipping that right there. That's. I, I am. I I love this. I've always that was one of my favorite places to fl- play, dude. I had so much fun playing there. The arena was always sold out. I think their 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 facilities are some of the best in the country. I I'm just I don't know how they don't get better teams. I really don't. Better better recruits, I should say. Man, you got to pull up to a game there and watch and go to the uh, the rail yard across the street sometime. I heard. I heard. Yeah. It's, that's a cool it's a area. I mean, the arena's there. There's bars all the way around. It just looks like a great place to enjoy a college environment. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, all right, last couple things on college basketball. You have a new rival, uh, Seth Davis from CBS and The Athletic. You guys uh, now appear to be arch nemesis or arch enemies. What – Tell us about your beef with your with Seth. Uh, why why are you holding this aggression against him? It's not even aggression. I just these media members, dude. I feel like they're just. I don't know how they get to the position they are because some of them, first of all, are just a bunch of weirdos. Mm-hmm. I've experienced that firsthand, and two, they're so biased and they have individual people they want to keep in their circle they don't want to speak out about they don't want to step on toes they want to keep their connections right they don't want to say this because this could get them in trouble with this person and honestly like i'm sick and tired of it like i i went after greensburg a couple years ago for talking shit uh, about me for what i said about the ncaa i mean seth davis is another one that's I'm like, this guy's just an idiot. He talks shit about Fran McCaffrey the night before the game or the night before the incident with Chris Beard about him getting a, te- a technical in a college basketball game. And then he tweets something like that in his opinion on it. And then the next morning, he just says nothing the whole day. The whole day. I don't even think he still has said anything about Chris Beard getting arrested. I was just going to say. I was going to say, there's a lot of people who get paid to give opinions on college basketball that never gave an opinion on that. Exactly. And I I found that very interesting on Monday. And don't get me wrong. I get it. You want to take some time and you want to get some more facts and some things like that. But, man, I thought it was a tough look that there was nobody out there that was ready to give an opinion on that deal from a national perspective. Yeah, it's just it's disgusting that we treat. But you guess, I even you listened to, to I even listened to a podcast and basically all they did was give the facts on there and I was like, I was like, man, like you guys. Apparently, they're all friends with Chris Beard. I guess I didn't know that. You know, like that's kind of the vibe that I got out of it. Was it's like, man, Chris Beard's got a lot more friends in the industry than what I guess I realized. It's just their power. There's a lot of power hungry people out there, man. And, and I now that I'm kind of. I've experienced it firsthand, like getting interviewed by some of these guys and getting them, knowing them in their work profession. But now like I'm on the outside, I get to like kind of know people more on the personal level and, you know, interviewing people myself and meeting some people and talking to people about people. Like I'm just like, this is some people dude are just ridiculous and how they act and how they, their profession, how they go about the profession. It is disgusting. You're talking about me, aren't you? Yeah, that was a direct shot at Jared. I am sick and tired of this and how he handles not only me, but other people around him and his profession, and I'm officially out. I was going to say, I uh, I heard you calling everybody weirdos, <laughs> and I was like, he's talking about me. It's, that's all I heard in my mind. I was like, he's talking about me. He's That's exactly No, but you are a weirdo. You pulled a, this. For those that are listening, he pulled a <laughs> old man – my back hurts. Man, he, get the hell out of so my he back didn't, didn't want to go, he didn't want to go out with me. 
you didn't want to go out to me this weekend in Des Moines. And uh, he said his back was hurting. And I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry that I, I have to spend too much time carrying the team. Ooh. Ooh. It's, my back starts to hurt every once in a while around here. All right. Okay. Okay. <sighs> no, but I, I'm with you, dude. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I, I love what I do and I have a lot of fun doing it, but man, there are times where I, I feel like, or there are people in the business who get way too wrapped up in who they're friends with and who they're not friends with. And like, and that's not, I don't, I don't take it serious. I guess I don't take it serious like that. You know, this is my job. Like I get it. And like, I love what I do, but man, it's just basketball. You know, it's just, uh, it's just football. Like I'm not, it's not life and death to me. I, I guess I, I don't think of it that way, or I've been able to detach myself to it from it, to that perspective to where like when you write something or you give an opinion or like, uh, you're not worried about whether or not like you're going to hurt somebody's feelings. You're doing your job as long as you're being fair and like telling the truth, you know, yeah. like you don't want to be a dickhead about it. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying be an asshole, but it's like, if you have an opinion about basketball or about football, then it's your job to like give those opinions, you know? And I do feel like, you know, I think that a lot of people in college basketball have a lot of friends and they like when they go to the tournament and go to coaches convention and all that kind of stuff, you like to have a beer with those guys and you like to sit down and you like to talk ball or like to gossip or whatever it may be. And you forget sometimes like, Oh, I'm supposed to be covering these people, not being their friend, you know? Yeah. And I think that, and that's just not like every, that's just not media professions alone. I feel like that's the problem with a lot of people that they're just, they're just using people to make their lives better. Not to, first of all, just actually be friends with someone or two, just wanting to hang around and like not use someone for what they do and what they're about. And I, I, I I'm just tired of it. I mean, I know I'm, I'm still young and I haven't really experienced the real world yet, but I don't know. I, it's, it's frustrating and disgusting in my opinion. And it, I always like thing I always thought about Jared too, is like some of these people, they just don't stand by anything. They, they use these right. people and they, they want to be fr- stay with friends with them. And so they continue to get, you know, sources and insider information. And, um, obviously that happens in other professions too, but like you, how are you going to like live? Like you don't, you don't stand for anything in your life. Like you don't have an opinion on anything. Your opinion can be wrong. Like there's nothing right. wrong with a wrong opinion, but you're not right. going to stand by anything you believe in. Like, well, that's, and that's just- where, and that's where I come from. It's like, if I said something on this podcast and like, I, some, you know, hypothetical, completely hypothetical. If I found out that like Chris Beard listened to the podcast and Chris Beard was pissed at me about it, you know what I'd say? Chris Beard has bigger things to worry about than whether or not he you're mad. He's mad at you, you know, or whether or not I'm saying what I'm saying on a podcast, like you've got bigger things to worry about my man, you know? And again, it's like, it's just from, from my perspective, it's not personal. The Chris Beard one, like you're telling the line of like, there's some serious personal questions to be asked here, but like when it's just talking basketball, it's not personal. Like it's just, it's just business dude. Like he's just part of it, you know? And, uh, that's where I was just like, I was turned off by, cause that was a huge basketball story. That's a huge, huge. deal. It's one of the, that's top one of the biggest, the, yeah, it's one of the biggest brands in college athletics yeah. and no one is there to give an opinion on the fact that not only does Chris Beard, has he been arrested for this, but that he's had someone on his team playing, being charged with something similar. Like what? No one's, no one's sitting here and being like, man, there's maybe, 
everybody says we need to wait for more facts to come out. That's what they say. Guy literally got arrested. Like it's not. That's it's just it's disturbing. It is really disturbing. But that that's just everything we're alluding to about society as a whole. It's just it's a use use world now. It's just protecting. Just, yeah. Selective protection for people. Because you know there's a lot of coaches out there right now that the same thing could happen to them and they're not getting the same treatment. Right. And no no one's real anymore. No one stands by anything. It's just, yeah. I, I, if I, yeah, I don't don't ever want to be like that. I want to continue to be real. Like what we're doing with us too. Like, I like how we just talk on here and talk about anything we want and we have opinions and like your opinions are different than mine. We still Mm -hmm. talk and we're still friends. But people, man, like they, they go on interviews, like they act like friends. They act like they're close with these guys, these coaches, these players. Like, bro, you, you're just using this dude. Like, let's be honest. You don't have a ounce in you that actually supports this guy or wants him to, to do great. And that still goes along with any profession in the world. I feel like there's people like that all over. It's, it's, it's damaging, dude, especially when you're around those type of people. Well, and it's just like it – it's like where you have to toe a line of like, how much are you an observer of what's happening and how much are you a participant in what's happening? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like as a reporter, I feel like theoretically you're supposed to just be a, a observer of what's happening, you know? Right. And it's like, you want the people around you to succeed. Like, don't get me wrong. I want, like I went to Iowa state. Like, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and tell anybody that I don't want Iowa state to win. I work for a website that's called cyclone fanatic. Like I want Iowa state to win because it makes business better. It makes my life easier. And like, and you know, it's just generally a good thing. And there's good people around Iowa state. So it's like, you want them to win, but it's like at the same time, you have to tell the truth too. When it, when it comes time for when your coach goes, zero and 18 in the big 12, and it comes time to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, Hey, we need to move on. Like you can't be afraid to say that because somebody is your friend, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would respect just- the hell out of someone like that too. Like that they, if I was a coach and I had a struggling year, like I'm respecting, obviously I'm going to appreciate like good stories that come out too, because that's much needed in a world that we live in as well. But I don't want to live in this foo-foo world that everything's great and I'm not getting criticized. Like I want, like, I want the truth out. Like, I don't want, like, I want to know, like you'd be known like Chris Beard, like should not be coaching that night. He should have been suspended right from the get go. And mm-hmm. he should not have been, came down to the final hours of the game. Like that, is that that too much to ask for? No, no, no. That's I mean, the absolute baseline. That's the baseline. Yeah. That should have been in the very first statement that they put out at whatever, eight o'clock in the morning, you know, mm-hmm. like, He's not going to coach tonight. And that would have saved them a lot of headaches throughout the day where people are wondering, is this guy going to really fucking coach tonight? You know? And it's like, you don't want to be the people that made people wonder if the guy who got arrested for beating up his fiance the night before is going to be on the sideline the next night. That don't make Mm -hmm. any sense. You don't want to be those people. Yeah. And you don't want to be the ones that protect them either. Cause history does not look fondly upon those people. I believe. Right. But it's just, I think that's just like a perfect example. I know that we tied Seth Davis and Chris Beard in together, but obviously they're not the same person. I'm not, I'm not accusing mm-hmm. Seth, Seth Davis of doing that stuff, but I just think it's telling. It's telling a lot about not only the media profession, I feel like, but a lot of people that are just in it for the wrong reasons. And that's, that's something I will never stand by is be in a job or be in a profession and stand by something I don't believe in. I don't, 
and I don't truly love the people around me and I'm just using people like you're never going to be happy with your life. I don't care what amount of money you make or do that is just absurd. And I pray for those people that they find the guidance because that is, that's, that's incredibly damaging. I really do. I'm not even joking like that. It, prayers, that, up that for Seth Davis. prayers up for him, man. But that, but it's just everyone like that shit pisses me off. And that is one of my biggest pet peeves is, is people like that. Cause that, the world and the world we live in, dude, like that, there's too much of that to be like, just comes off as arrogant. Like there's just yeah. a lot of arrogance. And I think to be a national media member, you have to have a pretty significant amount of arrogance, right. you know, that's like just what I've been able to pick up on. It's like how many people that cover this stuff on a national scale feel like real people. There's literally yeah. jokes about whether or not John Rothstein is a robot. I know you dude, did a podcast with yeah. him, but it's like the man acts like a robot, you know, yeah. does not act like a real person. And I don't know him on a personal level, but I mean, again, it goes down the line. Like there's just some people just, I feel like are in it for the wrong reasons. And I'll, I'll never, I'll never be behind those people. No matter how many times I say, it, I just, this is, it frustrates the shit out of me, dude. Like this, you have an opinion on, or last thing you have an opinion on Courtney green. Oh, Courtney Green. I mean, at least he stands up for something. <laughs> bad fucking calls. <laughs> Speaking of bad opinion, I mean, holy shit, dude. He I was going to say, I already know what this is going to be. Oh, my God. You got to give him credit. Like, he's standing by his way of officiating, I guess you can say. Yeah, I was going to say, you have to give him credit. He's consistent. And, and, and by consistent, <laughs> I mean consistently bad. Yeah. I there's so many bad officials out there, but man, he is his his last three years, dude. I don't know how they still throw him out there. I feel bad. I it's getting to the I feel bad for him. Miss Tommy, it's like it's the same kind of thing. Sometimes you're just like, man, why you keep put, giving this guy good games? You know, yeah, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't know at this point. Officials. I don't know what to say. They we fucked. Couldn't... He fucked us. He fucked us at, at Rutgers in Piscataway last year, and he 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 fucked Nebraska. So. Not on a you, good stretch. You think it was personal? Honestly, dude, at this point, it might be. It might be. He's probably officiated what thousands of basketball games, and he's got Maybe. beef with you. He decided he's got beef with you. I don't. The thing that's too like he's a good guy. Like I, I've talked to him off the court. Like he's a, he's a, he's a nice guy, but man, is he a poor fucking official? <laughs> Man, Courtney, you're awesome, but fuck, dude, you cannot make the right. You cannot make the right call. Well, it's just like little Tommy, uh, like on your little league team. Like he's a great kid, right? Like yeah. he's nice to everyone. He's a really great kid. Oh, like you want to be nice back to him, but bro, you can't hit the fucking ball. You're you're not in the lineup. You can't. You, we can't put Timmy in the lineup. Timmy, <laughs> Timmy doesn't deserve to be in the lineup, Jerry. Timmy can't can't keep getting elite eight games, bro. Tim, or whatever. Timmy can't field a ground ball. He can't. Yeah. He can't call. He, he can't call the right call on the games online. That's oh, what man. it comes down to. That's funny. All right, I knew we couldn't sign on for that. You having at least some words for the officials? Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Iowa everywhere.